Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute is a Delta born and raised man whose eyes have seen the glory of the world. As a businessman, a husband, a father, a brother, he has won big and at times endured the tough times that come with living in small town America. He is a genuine character that our neck of the woods somehow continues to create with a personality that is grander than the silver screen. A writer and author, host of TV shows, he is the smile you want to be greeted with when you cross onto the Mississippi Delta and land on its soil. His new book, Dust in the Road, Recollections of a Delta Boy, is out. Really excited to welcome my pal Hank Burdine. Hey, Hank, what's up? Oh, man, that's the wonderful things you just said about me. That, that Man, and look, I'm in the Delta. I'm sitting up here in Cleveland, Mississippi, in the heart of the Delta. Just left Greenville. So and, happy to be with you, Steve. Oh, thank you so much, Hank. I love it, man. I love uh, the uh, – I've been really looking forward to having you on, and I'm excited about talking about your book. But before I let you dive into that, we got I got to dig in the past. Uh, your history is so steep down here. Uh, there's obviously memories uh, that you that you've written about, but also just just getting to know you uh, since I've moved back. Uh, greater has been has been a big thrill for me. Uh, I always feel like I'm in the room with like uh, this. It's just hard to explain. And when I use the word character, I mean that as a total compliment. That our our delta is full of so many unique people. The state of Mississippi is, and I think it art art just sort of floods out of so many of us and you're one of those special guys that it that it seemed to uh um you know have made its way into your heart and soul and you have to tell your story take me back to growing up in greenville i want to know what it was like to be on main street and on the streets and just just how it was for you as a kid and its influence on you well just to start off steve you know i'm basically a rule from ruleville my mama baby jane rule from ruleville mississippi and my daddy was building the road through Parchman Penitentiary, and he always said that he got Baby Jane out of Parchman. <laughs> well, in a sense, he did, because she was secretary to the warden. And that's where he met her, building the road through Parchman. Wow. And then uh, moved to Greenville, and I was born and raised up around there about the same time you were, Steve. And, 
You know, Greenville back in those days was an exact, just it was an exuberant, vibrant community. Main Street, Washington Avenue was bustling, had all the stores there, and everything was happening. The Tobo business was going really strong, and it was just a wonderful place to grow up. And I remember so much about the, my neighbors. I grew up between General Daly Paxton on one side and General Albert Lake on the other side, man. And, you know, with those figures right there growing up and behind me was Kenneth Haxton and Miss Josephine Haxton. Right. And I would go over and visit them. I've never seen musical instruments to this day like he had in his house, and he could play every one of them. Yeah. And the walls and walls of albums and the stories that you would hear. And then oftentimes I would be out at the, the Hot and Carter home, visiting with them and growing up in uh, Byrne and Frankie Keating's house under the, you know, under the, the, the cover of some of the greatest literary people uh, that's come out of Mississippi. The things that we grew up around in the Greenville area and the Delta I don't think it can be replaced anywhere else. And, you know, if people say, well, what makes it so unique? Well, it's the people, and it's the legacy of those people, and the really basic, what I believe is the pioneering spirit. Uh, I mean, because it was my grandparents that came in here and helped clear this land around Rural to, to start farming and, and, and form the town of Ruleville. So wow. uh, the pioneering spirit, the, what, that's what I call the big generation. Those folks back then, Steve, as you well know, they were big. They were big in everything they did, mm-hmm. and we grew up right under the right under the realm of them. You know, we're talking to Hank Burdine. Hank, why the arts? Do you think? I mean, you know, you know, we we always talk about it being in the water, being in the soul, being you know. I mean, <laughs> coming, you know, being rooted from that. I mean, it's such a mystery to me to know that. Steve, I've, I've done a lot of research on that, and I've written an article that's in the book, and it's called The Remnant of a Wall. And it's the Leroy Percy, the William Alexander Percy uh, phenomenon that that the people that he pulled in here that came because of William Alexander Percy that would come for a weekend and stay. David Cohn uh, wrote his book while staying in William Alexander Percy's house. Shelby Foote spent days on end there. He got in trouble at school one time and uh, got expelled for a week. Well, William Alexander Percy said, the whole week you're going to spend in my house in that library reading books. And it's that kind of air that uh, we all, that they grew up in back then. You had Walker Percy. Uh, Hiding Carter was brought into the Delta at the behest of uh, William Alexander Percy to start a progressive newspaper. Uh, Leon Curry. Oh, I knew that. William know Alexander about Leon. Percy's house. You know about Leon mm-hmm. with a book of poems and some drawings. And William Alexander Percy says, "I don't care much about your poems." He said, "It's the drawings that I like." And Leon Curry pointed to a ball of clay on a shelf, <laughs> and he said, "What is that?" <laughs> he said, "That's modeling clay. Take it home and play with it." <laughs> And he did, and William Alexander Percy sent him 50 pounds of modeling clay. Oh, my god! And then gosh. all of a sudden, Leon Curry developed into one of the greatest sculptors 
that's ever come out of the state of Mississippi in the South. Absolutely. And then he was introduced through William Alexander Pershing to Malvina Hoffman, who sculpted and and did the Patriot at the Leroy Percy gravesite in the Greenville Cemetery. Uh, William Alexander Percy sent Leon Curry to New York for three or four years to live with Melvina Hoffman. And Melvina Hoffman was trained under Auguste Rodin. So we have the legacy of Rodin coming right straight down through here. Mm. And then Leon Curry taught Bill Beckwith. So look at the legacy that we have here of the arts and the literary uh, phenomenon that that I see came because of William Alexander Percy and the, the sphere that surrounded him. You know, you're talking about one or two forms of art right now. Think about all the other forms, the culinary, the music, uh, the film. The culinary and the music. Steve, you know about we grew up and knew some of the greatest blues musicians of all times, the, the Sam Satmans, the Sun Thomases, the T-Model Fords, we, the Willie Fosters, we grew up around all of them. We heard them on the weekend. We knew their names. We, we, we would be around them at parties and all like that. And uh, the, the realm of the blues and what it did creating America's music. I mean, like they say, the blues had a baby and they call it rock and roll. <laughs> I mean, look, look at Jerry Lee Lewis. I remember when he used to come up and play at the uh, at the National Guard Armory down there in Greenville. I played one block east. Uh, it was just such a, it was a surrounding cover of music, of literary, and the food that we grew up with, the food that we would eat at other people's houses, the home cook, uh, the, the mustard green, ton of green, all the fat back, all the fried chicken, the gumbos that we would have. The, the it, it was unreal how, the air that we grew up in around here, Steve. Oh, I agree. We're talking to Hank Burdine, and he's making me hungry right now. We were also, uh, our horizons were so broad because of the ethnicity in our Delta and the foods that came out. And also just the, the you know, just the, the South, our Delta meeting meeting Lebanon and meeting Italy and meeting China sure. and, and how it all sort of came together uh, in flavors is amazing, right? You said the ethnicity of it. It was a melting pot with the, the Lebanese, the Chinese, the Jewish people, the Italians, the uh, Sicilians. I mean, I would be at the Mosos one night eating matzo ball soup, and the <laughs> next day at Friday I'd be eating spaghetti at George Baroni's mama's house. I mean, you know, yeah. and then it just goes on and on. And the what touches me with the African-American influence, the, the Chinese influence. Remember how, Joyce? I mean, oh, they, of course. They wanted to find a Chinese restaurant anywhere in the country than no. how, Joyce. I agree. And we grew up with all of these different people, the different races of people, and the beauty of all of it, Steve, is that we all got along together, and it was we were all we were all family, you know. And no doubt, it didn't matter. That's just the way it was back then, and I think we we're blessed because of that. Oh, I agree one hundred percent. We're talking to the fabulous Hank Burdine. You're in a Mississippi minute. We're gonna be right back. Hey, hey, hey. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with author. I'm going to say author in this segment because I cannot wait to talk about this new book. Uh, I'm excited about it with Hank Burdine. Hank, now, so for people that haven't met Hank, I'm trying to trying to picture. Okay, if you were to see the most interesting man ever, you know the the beer commercial, or whatever, right? Uh, that that guy is half as interesting as Hank. Just FYI, the the original guy, the most interesting man on the planet, can't touch my man, Hank. Uh, Hank, uh, you have a new book, and just I, I mean, it, I think it's going to turn into a movie. I'm so fired up. Tell everybody the name of it again before I tell them. And then, and the name and, of the book is Dust in the Road Recollections of a Delta Boy. And Steve, the whole thing, I, uh, uh, about 15, what about 2003, 15 years ago, uh, Delta Magazine came out, and I sent a little final word uh, to Delta Magazine about. Uh, why the Delta will always be my home. I was living on the Panhandle of Florida at the time. And after that first little final word, I wrote another article for him, and I've written an article for him every issue since then. And what we did, I realized that there was such a conglomeration of different types of articles, all based in the Delta, and I was able to look at over 50 or 60 of the articles I've done and pull together a group of about 50 articles that are separated into categories about the indomitable people that came out of the Delta, the blues musicians, the blues artists, places to eat, a bite to drink, you know, a place to have a drink, uh, the, the restaurants, the everything about this Mississippi Delta. And we pulled together what I think is a pretty damn up good book. And uh, my dear, dear friend, Julia Reed, uh, everybody knows who Julia yeah. Reed is now, living in New Orleans and Nashville, and uh, soon to have a home here in Greenville again, and uh, known all over the country for her culinary and her literary expertise. Absolutely. She's written the foreword to it. And one of the super stand-up guys I know right now is a fellow named Richard Grant. Uh, he's an Englishman that came in here and bought a house down in, uh, outside of Chula at Pluto Plantation and moved in here and has written a, a book about it called Dispatches from Pluto. Richard has written the epilogue to this book of mine. And I'm so honored to have both of them as, as a part of this book. But the book is all about the Delta, and yet it carries the Delta out into the world, where it went from there, what the food has done, where the art has gone, where the music has gone. So even though it's about the Delta, it's all over the country, and it's interesting for people from elsewhere to read this, to see see these unique people, the Massey Winds, the... Uh, 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 the hiding Carter, the, the impact that the William Alexander, that William Alexander Percy had. So it's a good book, and I hope everybody's going to get a copy of it and read it. It's a good one. Oh, they're going to have to get a copy because we're going to come get them if they don't. We're talking to Hank Burdine. Hank, did the writing bug bite you uh, as just sort of uh, through osmosis down the line, or, or were you interested in writing as a kid? I really didn't write as a kid that much. 
uh, I, I remember I found something that came out of an old folder called My Most Unforgettable Character. <laughs> and I'm choking up talking about it because I wrote it when I was in the sixth grade, and it was right after I lost my daddy. Oh, wow. And uh, I didn't write much after that. So when I was 13 years old, I went to work. Heck, I worked ever since after that and didn't have time to write. But uh, through all of those years, I would hear stories, I would meet people, and I knew that there was more to them. And once you delve into something, I call it digging up home. You you take off on a tangent, you start looking for newspaper articles, you talk to those people that are still around, and all of a sudden you got a story. Yeah, and there are some deep, deep stories from people in this Mississippi Delta. Well, you're you're, you're right, and we're talking to Hank Burdine. Hank, I mean, you just said it. I mean, as a songwriter, there's no way if I'm if if I'm not curious enough and drawn. Uh, first of all, it was easy and it was infectious, and uh, it's, it's always a shot of adrenaline to to talk to. Uh, the people and the backdrop that's behind them and the sur- our surroundings here and and I and and people know me that I've been writing about this stuff forever, but I wouldn't have anything else to write about. I mean, it's like, and I don't. I mean, this is why we moved back home, so I wouldn't have an excuse to write. You know, I don't want anybody to go. Where's the you know next you know whatever. I love the peace of knowing that I can do that, and it's so inspirational. And like you said, once you start digging a little bit uh it's amazing what you find and the inspiration is all around it's the craziest thing uh but i've you know i spent 20 years writing songs in nashville and and i've never been more inspired than the the moment i moved back you know what i'm saying well i know exactly what you're saying and i can't tell you what it means to all of us in the delta itself that you are back here steve because what happened it reminded me of a big pot of ton of green (laughs) <laughs> Once you get those greens in there, and you'll you'll take a grocery bag full of greens and put them in a pot, and all of a sudden you look in there, well, where'd the greens grow? <laughs> Go. Well, they're all down in the bottom, and then they begin to bubble. And and as you stir it, and the, the juices are intermingled and all, and everything begins to come out and meld. And that's what happens in this Mississippi Delta. With all the different folks and the different uh ethnicity of people that we have here, once we all get together and the things begin to, to bubble and boil and turn around and things come out that uh, it, it, it's out of this world. I mean, it's, it's, I don't see it happening anywhere else. I hadn't seen it. Yet. No, I haven't. And I, I can be bitter at times, I can tell you that. So maybe I may be the turnip greens you need to put back <laughs> in the store. <laughs> and, hey, uh, Hank, you know, you talk about you talk about uh, the one fella that came in to help you with the book, that came in and bought uh, one of the mansions or plantations. Who was it again? Richard Grant moved here from England. He had lived in New Mexico. He he's a world class traveler and writer about all of his travels all over the world. Hmm. And he was living in New York City and met a girl named Martha Foose, the cookbook author out of outside of Yazoo City at uh, Pluto Plantation, and she invited him to come down to the Delta one time, show him around. Well, took him outside of Chula, Mississippi, on the backside of Bee Lake. And if you want to know where that is, you just get on your car and go to the hills around Chula, turn around and head back toward the Mississippi River, and hope you find it. It's one of the hardest places to get to, but once you're there, it is unbelievable. The, the closeness of the people, even though they live 10 miles apart, 
And Richard saw a house there, and he said, that's a beautiful old house. She said, well, it's my daddy's, and it's for sale. Well, darn it, he didn't go ahead and buy that house. That's unbelievable. And living out in the country, and I got to meet Richard. Uh, uh, my sister was taking pictures for an article he was doing, and I got to meet Richard, and Richard would have weekend parties, kind of like they used to have years ago, where people would come from all over the country, from England, from We've had Australians in here, and they come and spend the whole weekend, three or four nights. We camp in uh, tents. We sleep on the floor. We sleep in pickup trucks. I was there one morning, and a FedEx brand new Mercedes Benz truck pulled up with a special delivery overnight package of locks and bagels from Manhattan, New York. <laughs> now, that was, I said, how did you find this place? He said, it took me a while, but I got here. So those types of things still happen in the Delta. And it's things like that that I like to write about also. I love it. And we're talking to Hank Burdine. Hank, you're, that, this is what I'm talking about, the Belmont Plantation, the guys that came in that moved down here that, you know, I, I love seeing people that had nothing to do with us that come in and fall madly in love so much that they invest money in revitalizing historic buildings uh, and, and delve right into just like, like they'd been born and raised here, right? That is correct. And that's Butch Ruth and his family, uh, his cousin from California, right. uh, came in here and saw the Belmont house, which used to be uh, what if an antebellum home. It used to be a hunting club when you and I were growing up. Right. And fell into disrepair, but then was remodeled and refurbished and uh, kind of got sliding down again. But then this gentleman came in and bought it, fixed it up. It's a gorgeous bed and breakfast. It's a wonderful place to have uh, to have a gathering. The right. Hot Tamale Festival has its literary and culinary mash up there each year on Thursday night. And he's also gone in and was able to get to the Weatherby House in Greenville which is the oldest house in Greenville, and he's fixing it up. So this is outside money coming in here. People come in and see this place. They love it, and they want to help continue the effervescence, I say. And they pump money into these places, and they bring them back around. And it's a a wonderful thing that people from out of here see it, and they want to be a part of it. I love it. We're talking to Hank Burdine. He gets to play DJ right now. Uh, he's already proclaimed that we are the birthplace of all art forms, but the birthplace of American music is what we truly are. Hank, lead us into the break with a little Ike Turner or Mose Allison. You got to pick one. Oh, I'll take Mose Allison, my friend. <laughs> We're with Hank Burdine, author. Uh, dear friend of ours, uh, one of the great characters and personalities of the Mississippi Delta. You're in a Mississippi Minute. Here's a little Mose Allison. I'm the one, I'm the one, the one they call the seventh son. I'm the one, I'm the one, the one they call the seventh son. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are in the Mississippi Minute. You can finish the phrase for me. All 60 of them. You want me to sing a Mose Allison verse? Well, 
<laughs> That's how we I roll. Will. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Hank. You gonna sing for me on the? Uh, I loved it. I think it'd be wonderful. Here we go. All right. Well, I'm putting that cotton in a eleven foot sack. Yes, I'm putting that cotton in a eleven foot sack with a twelve gauge shotgun at my back. That's the parchment blue. <laughs> I love it. You may uh, not want that verse. I got another one about number nine if you want to hear that. Yeah, I want to hear number nine too. Come on. Well, I'm sitting down here on number nine. Yes, I'm sitting down here on number nine, and all I did was drink my wine. <laughs> I love it. We're with Hank Burdine. This is how I like to roll with my man 60 Minutes, all 60 of them. A Mississippi Minute is complete with Hank Burdine. Hey, Hank, uh, uh, tell me about, uh, I turned the TV on not too long ago, and I was watching either the Discovery Channel or the Travel Channel. I don't know. All I know is there you were with Andrew Zimmerman. Zimmerman? 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 Andrew Zimmerman. Doing Parts Unknown, right? And and you had... You you were in the boat. I think you had your duck. I don't know if you had your duck call or not. And you have taken this man down the Mississippi River all the way to Doze and beyond. Tell me about how all that came about. Well, that came about. I was given a telephone call when uh, uh, they wanted to do a segment on the Mississippi River with Andrew Zimmerman, Bazaar Foods. And, Bazaar uh, Foods, yes, yes. Bazaar yes. Foods, and yes. I was contacted, and we went up the Arkansas River and. Uh, in a dug boat, and we had a wonderful time. Andrew Zimmerman was so interesting, and he's such a great hunter himself. And we were able to cook some wild mallard duck breast and some wood duck breast out there and sit in that duck boat and just talk like you and I are talking now. And he had, I think, as much fun as he's had on any of his shows. And we came off of the river there at Greenville, and he walked over the top of that levee, and I sent him to 502 Nelson Street, Doze Eat Place, and into the arms of our sweet dear Ain't Park City. Oh, you and know it. He had so much fun <laughs> being with her and watching her make that salad and, and being there with all the people at Doze and talking to Little Doe and eating those steaks and eating them hopping mollies and and it, it was just a wonderful time. Andrew Zimmerman wants to come back. He really is a fine uh, fellow. And I had a lot of fun with it. I love we Maybe we can get him to come back to the Delta Soul. We, we maybe put that on. Get Gaden and you and everybody and Medcalf, our great. I'll get, in fact, I've got Gaden on my list to interview as well. I, I have, I've got to interview her. But we'll. Uh, but but it'd be kind of cool. Maybe we'll get him to come back during that period. And, okay, so tell me this. You spent a little time in Colorado. What what right. made you uh, make the exodus out of the Delta for a moment of your life, and uh, and what got you back? You know, what what basically? I was in the road building business. I was in the heavy construction business. We were mainline concrete pavers, and uh, uh, we had everything, did everything, but have a lumber job. We were in the concrete pipe business, the ready mix concrete business, the concrete block business. At a home building company, we were major road builders and bridge builders, and I saw my businesses slowing down uh, pretty dramatically. We built all the concrete roads I saw that were going to be built in that delta in the area that we worked in, and I had three children and my sweet dear lovely wife Sally, and I said, "We're going to just take a walkabout." So I shut down a lot of businesses, sold some businesses, and we packed up and moved to West Cliff, Colorado, which is right in the part of the San Greater Cristo Mountain Range, which is an absolutely gorgeous mountain range, and we were able to find a little place up in the side of the mountains and 
decided to stay there and raise kids. Did for about five or six years, and then Sally came down with breast cancer, and we uh, moved to Florida, the Florida Panhandle, and uh, uh, lived down there so she could be closer to her parents that were in Jacksonville by this time. Sally was raised in Miami Shores. And uh, lost her about 15 years ago, Steve, and one mm. of my youngest child, my daughter, got out of got out of high school. Well, she went to Mississippi State, and I came home. So I'm living on my farm now, uh, raising horses and uh, uh, riding every now and then, and, and just enjoying being back in the Delta. So when did you, when did you move back uh, exactly? What year? Do you remember? I moved back about six years ago when Alden graduated. Uh, from high school and came on to Mississippi State, I came back here. And uh, folks asked me, am I retired? I said, no, I'm not retired. I'm tired, man. I, <laughs> I, but I don't stop, Steve. You know <laughs> no, that. you don't. You. We, no. we can't stop. I'm not going to stop. We just got too much to do. There's too much to do in the Delta. And we just, we got to keep, we got to keep that pot boiling. I love it. We're talking to Hank Burdine, and he is the man that's got the flames to keep the pot boiling. Hey, your infatuation with storytelling, live storytelling, right? You're you're one of the, you're one of the great ones. Uh, uh, there's nothing better than sitting by a campfire with you. What? Where did that come from? I really don't know that. Uh, you know, I heard several years ago someone called me a rock on tour. I said, "Man, what what are you talking about? I didn't even know what that word was." <laughs> But it's a teller of tales, a storyteller. And I've heard stories all my life, as you have too. And then as you recount those stories and embellish them and uh, don't necessarily add writer's license to them, but you can, you know, if you're telling a story and something comes up about music, all of a sudden I might break out into a hambone and go to hambone in the (laughs) middle of the floor or, or sing a verse out of a song or something like that. And it, it, it it brings more to life in the story by doing stuff like that, and it just it's what comes naturally. I think it's kind of a way that we've all grown up hearing stories. You saw the Delta. You had so many businesses, uh, and you saw the Delta start to struggle, right? And That's we've right. seen we've seen half of the population leave, and in the meanwhile, we've come back. By the time we came back, half mm-hmm. of the people were gone. And now I know that there's so much so much energy down here now, and I'm so excited. And it's 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 great to be a part of any sort of revitalization uh, that you can be, especially when it's your roots. So, do you feel like? I mean, do you do you feel like there's nothing impossible? Too many times I have seen people that have William Alexander Percy said, "Can't appreciate the Delta without leaving it." A lot of us left, Steve, but my goodness, look at who, how many are coming back. <laughs> yeah, We've got it. Jack Coleman coming back to Rosedale, got great ideas in Rosedale. Look what's happening in Clarksdale. Look what's happening in Indianola with the B.B. King Museum, Cleveland with the, with the Grammy Museum. Right. What happened in Greenwood. Look what's happening in Greenville. It, it, it is a resurgence. It's a revitalization. And it's not necessarily young blood. Heck, it's us old folk coming back in here wanting to get this stuff going. But look look at the youngsters that are coming in yeah. wanting to be a part of it. Take an old building, fix it up, leave the old brick on the wall, leave the ceilings bare, but get it going again. 
And that's what's happening, Steve, and we are right in the middle of it. Well, you know, talking to Hank Burdine, you know, uh, it, it reminds me just in, in general, you know, I grew up a pretty good Springsteen fan, and, you know, the my hometown, when they're closing down the textile yeah. mills across the railroad track, you know, home city jobs are going, and they ain't coming back in my hometown. Well, I feel like uh, it's amazing how that song <laughs> speaks to so many. And I know when times get tough, they get they can get tough everywhere. You know, because we're all affected, and uh, and and the first thing probably to go uh, is small businesses, small towns, and you know they're they go hand in hand. Uh, we're talking to Hank Burdine. Hank, look, we, this is what I'm talking about. You're talking about coming back and right. and doing because you don't have anything else to do. What we're going to do? Just dissolve in the woodwork. I mean, to me, it's the most exciting time that I've ever lived. Is right now, uh, right here. And uh, and I th- and I love it when I bring people that aren't from here in from all over, especially some of the more, you know, places that are known for their beauty and size, uh, greater, you know, uh, you know, on paper than we are because they're in the news or the L.A.'s, the Palm Springs, the you know what I mean. And so, so I, uh, St. Thomas's and all that. But when they come here, they don't want to leave. They do not want to leave. And that's, that's that's so very true. And. You know, you talk about a lot of these places, L.A. and different places that you've been to and all like that. But when you bring somebody in here in October that's never been here, and you ride down Highway 61 or you go down 49 or something like that, and you're in the middle of a thousand-acre cotton field that is so white that you almost have to put your sunglasses on. And they drop their jaws. They say, wow. And then it's just an endless expanse of, such a flat alluvial plain. This Mississippi Delta is so unique. And, you know, the white gold and then the yellow gold now with all the corn we've got coming off. And then bring them over by the river and show them that levee. And you know what is in my heart now with that Mississippi River and oh. the levee system and the involvement that I have right. had with, with that whole situation and understanding about the, the the flood situations, the protection that we have by this levy, and being able to meet some of the greatest minds in the world in flood protection and with the coal engineers. And, and Steve, being involved in it, yeah. that 2011 flood for three weeks, did 24 hours a day. It was my first year on the levy board, and I chose to be as much involved in it as I possibly could. And it was a tight situation. It's the greatest flood we've had since 1927, greatest flood we've had in recorded history. Yet we didn't lose one acre of ground that wasn't supposed to get wet, nor did we lose one life. The system worked, and I'm so proud of that system, of that project, and so proud to be a part of it. Talking to Hank Burdine, I love it. You're in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because we do roll that way. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with author Hank Burdine. Hank, the one thing in Nashville that I missed, I saw the most beautiful sunrise, but we were in the hills and and, and it just blocked, you know, what the the end of the day and when i moved back home i forgot how beautiful the sunset was and i remember being on that on top of that 
uh, on top of that expansion point, looking down when the sun was setting, and the colors were just magical. The river itself is, I never go out on it, and I spent a lot of time on that river, that when I turn around and start heading home, I don't want to go back to the to, to Lake Ferguson. I want to be on that river. I want yeah. to stay on that. And it, it is such a vibrant, changing, uh, the whole thing about the river is that, to me, it's the last wilderness area we've got left in America, and it's right here at our doorstep. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing about the river that, as you and I know, we grew up on that river. We never played on the river. We have a lot of fun when we're on the river, but you don't play on it. The right. one thing that I have about that river is utmost respect, because you mess up one time, it may be your last time. You've got to respect that river. But we've got a great, great John Rusty up in Clarksdale with Quapaw Canoe Company has started a wonderful company up there taking people out on the river in canoes. A lot of those canoes are dugout canoes, canoes he's built himself. And uh, to be able to experience the Mississippi River in a canoe is unbelievable. Now, I like to have horsepower on the back of my boat, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I want to get out there and get back uh, when I need to. But for those of us, if you if you can't get out on the river, at least go to Warfield Park, sit out yeah. on one of those benches, climb the observation tower. You won't be as high as you were on top of no, that No, no, it's pretty high. But you'll get to see things you've never seen before. To be able to have been brought up and, and just on waiting on Joe, you know about the Mississippi River and the towing business. And it all started right here in Granville, Mississippi, when uh, Jesse Brent, uh, Mr. LeMay, and uh, Mr. Gilda McCool borrowed $3,000 from Gilda McCool's daddy, and they started Greenville Towing Company back in the early 40s. And there was really no river business going on on the river at that time. The steamboats had been bought out by the, by the railroads, and uh, the railroad companies basically shut the river down. The only thing that was operating was the American barge, the federal barge line, and it was owned by the United States of America. Wow. So the beginnings of the river industry were right here in Greenville. And uh, at one point in time, we had over 37 different river-related companies. The Lake Ferguson was known as the million-dollar mile up on the lake bank, mm-hmm. and Greenville, Mississippi was known as the towboat capital of the world. And you remember that, Steve, growing up in Yes, Ohio. absolutely. Listen, Hank, so so you'll know this, and maybe I've said this on my show before, but when something hits you over the head like this as a gift, as a songwriter, when I was shooting the Waiting on Joe video, they were building the new bridge. I didn't know what it was. It was just, it was too, it wasn't clear enough to see it was a new bridge. So I was looking at the old bridge. We were heading toward it. And the captain of the boat, it was a hot day. He walks out with a cup of coffee. I could have sworn I saw a tear and it was probably sweat. And he looks up and he goes, the river's working. And I looked around and I saw all of these tugs pulling barges and, and I went, oh my gosh, this guy's. And so for the next 24 hours shooting the music video and Morgan Freeman I was about to meet him for the first time before he showed up and and do all that and I was writing the rivers working the entire time I couldn't wait I was I I had my buddy Rafe Van Hoy who at that point we were a a writing duo and he produced uh, that record Uh, I, I called him and I said I'm on something and I can't get it out of my head 
and it's probably one of the most favorite songs one of, one of the top 10 that i've ever been a part of because of that moment and the memories of what you just said it used to be a busy river and so i guess maybe we'll end it that way because i can't thank you enough for taking a, a mississippi minute with me hank you're a special guy you're a dear friend and um we're having a lot of fun together and uh I can't, your new book one once again it's titled because it's a long one I want to mess it up. Dust in the Road. Dust in the Road. Recollections of a Delta Boy. Dust in the Road. Recollections of Del- a Delta Boy. You got to pick it up. You can get it anywhere. And uh, I'm going to have like 10 copies. I'm going to have one in each each uh, each bathroom. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I love you. And uh, thanks thank for you, all Steve. you do. Love you too, man. Okay, pal. You've been in the Mississippi Minute. We've been with the fabulous Hank Burdine. We'll see you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Hey folks, if you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com, enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.